I spent years explaining why I didn't go to uni when really it's so fine if it doesn't suit you. You know, it's so fine if you want to get your experience through working. I think just don't feel bad about it. Like a couple of months in, we just ran out of money. There's a few articles out there that say we were eating canned soup and people think that's a PR spin. I kid you not. (laughs) I had the best canned soup option. It wasn't like miserable. Like it was yum and it just, it was cheap and we really needed to just spend as little money as possible during that time. So I was a multimillionaire, mother of two boys. You know, I had a loving partner. I'd literally like ticked every box you could possibly tick um, by the age of, you know, 30 or 31. And I was miserable. It was the saddest time of my life, you know, when I had the most money. The sad times and the dark times is when you kind of, you know, you learn the most. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. I know I always say today's guest has an amazing story, but it's because they're all so interesting in such different ways. I'm so excited to have the amazing Erin Deering on the show today, co-founder of global swimwear giant Triangle, which you'll hear she has now exited, but which is still very close to her heart. Hers is a fascinating story of going from eating tin soup to get the business off the ground to becoming a multimillionaire in less than a year and getting her swimwear onto the hottest bodies in the world, including Kim Kardashian and Miley Cyrus. And the roller coaster that you can only expect came with it. We cover so many topics from having two children and dealing with her separation, the challenge of losing yourself in the scale up process of a booming global business, eating disorders and control issues, the interaction between money and happiness, and the process of learning to treat yourself with kindness. I'm so honored that Erin spoke so openly about the challenges and journey along the way and hope you enjoy getting to know her a little more. I don't know what happened to the audio, but it cut off the first two seconds and the last two seconds. So you'll miss a tiny bit of me saying, oh, it's so lovely to have you. But otherwise, I hope you enjoy. So of course, as you guys know, the first question before we get into way to yay is always what is the most down to earth thing about you? I don't know. There's so many things rushing to my head. I, I like I am just my entire being is like goofy, down to earth, normal person anyway. I think since I came back to Melbourne, my life has been really normal. Um, I just work out in the morning. I have two children. I get their breakfast ready and their dinner ready and their everything. I've changed nappies still. Um, <laughs> that's down to earth. That's definitely. <laughs> that's, that's a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. I deal with poo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, on a daily, actually not at the moment because they're not with me at the moment, but on a on a regular basis. Yeah. I think I've dealt with enough poo for a lifetime anyway in the last four years. So. Yeah. That's probably, you know what, that's it. That's yeah. my 
narrows down to a thing. Great yeah. icebreaker. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> okay, cut that off. <laughs> Tick. <laughs> All right. So I know you have ended up having an incredible, incredible business story, but I also like to start back at the very beginning. And you know, I think when you look back at who people were as children, you can often see a lot of the traits coming out. Like people might have a lemonade stand, or you know, you can <laughs> yeah. tell that they're going to be or really little, entrepreneurial. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about young Erin. Where did you grow up? Were you cool at school? Did you have a weird teenage phase? <laughs> Definitely not cool at school. I'm going to put that one out there. Um, I, there's one story that just popped into my head that my dad would really be he tells this story all the time. So I'll tell this one. It's like my, probably the only good story is like young Aaron, <laughs> like a cool one that kind of lends to my entrepreneurial side. When I was like six years old, maybe even younger. No, it was younger. It was like four. Um, we were at like a school fair um, with my oldest. So my older sister was at school. It was a school fair. And there were balloons kind of like tied to, you know, like rails and stairwells and whatever. And I went along and untied as many balloons as I could from all the stairwells and then went around selling each balloon for 20 cents oh my each. Gosh. <laughs> Which I still find such a weird thing because I was really young and I've never done anything like that. <laughs> but my dad likes to tell that story as like the tale of like, we knew she was destined for great things. And so I was like, enterprising. So, I know, and I was young. And I still remember it very clearly because... I remember walking around with a bunch of balloons. I must have seen it on TV. Yeah. I, I just, anyway, but apart from that, young Aaron was, I was like a real tomboy, like super tomboy. I had cars and trucks. I didn't think, I don't think I played with a doll until I was maybe 11 or 12. And even then wow. that was just because that's what all the other girls did. Yeah. I was really into sport. Yeah. Like a real, a real kind of like, you know, like just classic tomboy. All my best friends were boys. I just got along with guys like super well. Yeah. And so that's kind of, that's probably the main thing I think that sticks out. And I just wasn't really cool, you know, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I'm still yeah. not. So, you know, yeah. I really, I really identify I'm not with either. that. <laughs> I'm like, if I like, I'm just, I'm just like a lanky kind of goofy, you know, person <laughs> essentially. That's, that's, that's carried through. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting that given you were a bit of a tomboy that you ended up, you know, in fashion retail. Yeah. And that was like very early on before the triangle story, you were in fashion retail before that yeah. as well. So yeah. Did you always think that that would be your career or did you just kind of start because, you know, you started as a young person with a job and then it just carried over? Yeah, it was kind of that. I remember the first time I actually really started to love fashion and it was, I was in like year seven and eight. I was trying to be cool, you know, I was trying to be cool. And my older sister was really, it was in the 90s. So she was super grungy. You know, she wore things from Dangerfield and oh, she wow. would tie dye like those petticoat skirts. <laughs> and I looked up to her so much. She was like the perfect 90s teenager. Yeah. And I wanted, because that was cool. So I wanted to kind of be like her. and I was trying to sort of fit into this I guess I was you know the the you know round peg square hole kind of thing because I didn't really like that look but it was what everyone was doing um and I spent like a couple of years trying to sort of fit into that and trying to fit in with those cool kids and then it was in year nine. I remember it so clearly. I'm like, this is really good memory. You're recalling it with <laughs> it's such really clarity. Weird that I'm remembering this. They're like poignant <laughs> things that are just coming out. It's so strange. Um, I was just getting really like I was getting picked on a little bit. I think because when when you're younger and you're not being your kind of true self, mm. other kids just pick up on that insecurity and they see that weakness and then they target it. So I got picked on 
But it wasn't, it was just because I wasn't being me. You yeah. know, I wasn't really. And I was starting to notice that there were these other trends or actual mainstream fashion that I liked. And this was the time when pedal pushes. Were oh like, my God, pedal pushes. <laughs> so I'd avoided that like whole thing. And I remember there was this campaign that came out by Portman's. And remember like back then Portman's, actually people probably don't remember, this is showing my age. Oh, I remember. Portman's <laughs> and Sports Girl were like, you On know, par. head to head. Yeah. Like they were really cool. Portman's was a little more like chic and Sports Girl was a little more like gypsy, but they kind of both had their thing. And Portman's put out this campaign that had pedal pushes and these boat neck, like, jersey. They weren't even T-shirts. They were jersey, like, little vests. Or I can't even remember what they were, or tops or whatever, with pedal pushes. And they had this campaign with three models. And I remember seeing it, and it was at the back of their Camberwell store. Oh, my God, you remember the store? And I just thought, in that moment, (laughs) I'd been trying so hard to fit into this grungy, cool look. And I looked at that campaign, and I thought, that's that's what I want to look like that. Like, I want to look fashionable and I want to that's me like that's just what I want to look like yeah and then from that kind of point onwards I just that sort of started the whole fashion thing for me I just loved fashion from then and so I'd had this like until then trying to fit in and then from that point onwards and I remember buying those pedal pushes and the boat neck top <laughs> did you have the platforms as well I oh yeah no I don't know if I did pedal I pushes were did. my Spice Girls face yeah <laughs> pedal pushes I, I really would like them to come back because I feel like they could be done well now I feel like the bike short trend is kind of heading towards that And I think that it's going to go into pedal pushes. Yeah, it just slowly come down the leg. Maybe I should, maybe I should bring it back. You should bring it back. That you could do fun. a range. Yeah. <laughs> you like could a, do the campaign. And do like a, like a high heat. Anyway, yeah. I'm going off on a tangent now. <laughs> but that was it. That was the moment. And then from that point onwards, I was just, I loved fashion because I felt like that was the first time I was able to express myself through it. Yeah. And it was so powerful for me because it was me actually being myself yeah. and not, not trying to conform. Um, and and that's kind of how I see fashion. I just always, I still look at what other people are wearing. I follow trends 100%, but I adapt them to how I want them to look yeah. and how I want to feel. I feel like it's so powerful. It's essentially is wearable art. So oh, absolutely. I'm so, I, I sound like an idiot, but I like really, I have a passion for fashion. No, I love it. I love <laughs> I that really so do. much. And it's so interesting because this is the part of the journey that's so interesting because it's where people do start to realize you spend a lot of your younger years just kind of figuring out who you you are yeah. pushing against the trends but also being pulled towards them yeah. and it takes yeah. a long time and everyone finds out in different ways who they are what they like and how to integrate that into their life and it's so interesting hearing about how it all happens because you yeah. do spend a long time being someone that you're not oh you totally do you totally do and it sucks it's hard so fashion is like a really I think it's a lovely way to try it just to be you and to really show people who you are yeah like, I think it's actually really lovely yeah so, yeah. so you started at uh, Green with Envy as e-com coordinator. I did. I had a few jobs before that. Um, yeah, tell us the progression. Okay, I'll, I'll do a quick one because it wasn't... So I was in like retail management and that was... I mean, there were so many. It was witchery. I worked witchery, sports girl, bardo. That was my first one, actually. Roy, Bettina Liano. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, I Hit was around. I did. I would only be somewhere for sort of like a year and then I'd get bored. I think because <laughs> I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do, but I still loved that fashion yeah. kind of element. And I didn't, I didn't study. So for me, working my way up through retail was the way I knew to get in. Yeah. Um, was so this just, after school? Yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah. after school, I just went into that's bardo was the first proper fashion retail job I had after school Um, and then I kind of just moved around from there and then I went overseas after doing like all management went overseas for six months lived in London did the classic you know temp 
holiday, <laughs> temp holiday, you know, like work for two weeks, save up enough to go on a two-week holiday and then go back and work for two weeks. That it's was a good fun. cycle. Oh, it's it was a good amazing. Cycle. <laughs> London, it was really fun. It was actually super fun. And then came back and thought, okay, this is my opportunity and this is the time to step away. Okay, if I go back into managing retail, I might just get stuck there forever and yeah. I can't do that. It's not what I want to do. So I started to apply for really base, like entry-level roles that were probably not be, not underneath me, but just things that were really accessible. Yeah. Because I, I just thought if I'm if I get into these companies, you can work your way yeah, up. Yeah, I can prove yeah. myself. You know, that was to me that was like an obvious way to do it because there was no, I wasn't going to go study. There was no other way that I sort of you know saw getting in. So I got this marketing assistant role at a company called Fashion Brands. I stayed there for three years actually, and wow. I had the most amazing head buyer. Uh, who I was the assistant for, Philip, Philip McCartney. He, I, he still, you know, when you have like people have mentors or, you know, yeah, he yeah. was really like that for me. He took me under his wing, taught me everything he knew. Um, I learned so much during that time just of how I, it was basically they did costume jewellery um, for like David Jones, Maya, oh, Target, awesome. Kmart. So I really got to understand the manufacturing, production, you know, a critical path, which is basically like, you know, from a sample being made until it gets into stores. Yeah. And I just learned so much during that time. It was exactly what I needed to learn to then, you know, take take things further and move on. So after that job... I could have stayed there and probably had a great, you know, life great as a career. product developer or whatever. But, you know, again, I needed to move. I needed to do something <laughs> different. Went to Maya, tried doing a similar role there, um, only stayed for six months. Uh, the main draw card of working at that Maya actually was that my boyfriend at the time worked at the, a- it was head office, worked at the AMZ bank across the road. Oh, <laughs> so we how like, handy. So we to work together and like have lunch together. So oh, it was like six so months cute. of like really cute, like hanging out every day. Like, do you want to have coffee now? Um, oh. And then, but that too, too big of a company, yeah. so much red tape. So ended up leaving there after six months. And then I went to a friend of mine. Which um, is actually how Nick remembers you. Yeah. A friend of mine. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. That yeah. is so long ago. Nick did our shoots. Yeah. 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 In the studio in, where was it? Port, was it Port Melbourne? I think so. Or yeah. Albert Park or around there? But the store was um, on Malvern Road? The store was on Malvern Road. Yeah. And, and that was really great. So Teal now is the founder, designer at uh, Realisation Park. Oh, my god! Yeah. So she's like an absolute gun. She's amazing. And I worked with her at Roy and she offered, you know, didn't offer me the role, but kind of this was coming up to like do their, be their sales coordinator at friend of mine and do all their e-commerce stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just jumped at it because it was a small team. I knew Teal. Um, and again, that was another role where I just learned a lot. It was a lot of behind the scenes. It was building an e-commerce site and kind of building that customer base. But really early on, this was we're talking how long ago would have this been? You know, yeah, like almost nine, 10 years ago. Nine, 10 years, yeah. So that was at the very early start of e-com. So that was really fun to to be there and, and growing that business with them. And that was really enjoyable. And then left there, um, went to work at Green with Envy. Similar thing, bigger company. Um, that was great. Met 
Craig, my the, sort of like the co-founder of Triangle um, and the father of my children, and um, met him at a similar time to that. And then during the first few months of Green with Envy, that's when we had the idea for Triangle. So oh left. Oh my gosh! And that's why I left there and went overseas to Hong Kong. So yeah. cool. I, I try to make that as quick as possible. No, way too long, no, but, no. It's but, super yeah. interesting because I think you know it's it's really cool to hear the story of growing a brand. But I find the really cool thing that people often skate over is how, what it took them to get to the idea. Yes. Because that's what everyone else who hasn't had their idea yet is lacking. If you don't have the idea, the other stuff is kind of like really interesting. But it's if they just want to find their idea. And yes. so it's interesting to hear how many different jobs you have to have before you figure yeah, out what you want. Yeah, and, and I do feel, you know, I feel like all of those roles got me, you know, to be able to kind of, with Triangle, I mean, Craig had a totally different skill set. He was a designer um, and a true creative. And I just had all the customer background. And mm. that's why it kind of, I guess, worked in the beginning because I did have years and years and years of that customer experience. Yeah. Um, which, you know, when I retell the story, it's like, oh, yeah, that actually was a lot of experience there. Yeah, so, years it, yeah, and, and of, different big companies mm, as well. And under, yeah, understanding the different kind of ways people operated and why and what worked there and what didn't work there. And so we could bring that in when we started the business. I mean, yeah. obviously, a lot of it didn't work anyway. I <laughs> <laughs> think you know everything until you start a business and then yeah. you're like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> totally. If anything makes know. you humble, it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I am shit at a lot yeah, of things. Yeah, you're like, I have no <laughs> skills. Yeah. I have zero skills. Yeah. Right. Amazing. <laughs> so before we do get onto the triangle story, I just want to touch on the fact that you didn't study because I think that's another yes. really interesting thing, especially yeah. in this day and age, that it's, you know, it's a, it's a default for a lot of people. A lot of the time it's because they don't know what else they want to do and yeah. they think it'll be a really good foundation. Yeah, yeah. Was it a conscious choice for you not to study because you didn't want to or did you end up just literally getting really good jobs so you didn't need to? Look, it was in the, like, you know, when you're at school and I went to a private girls' school so it was very, you know, encouraged to um, go to university and obviously, you know, your parents are paying to send you to a private school, so they want that end result as well. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, I loved, I, I've always loved working with people. So I kind of thought maybe like psychology, something along those lines. But the the marks to get into those um, courses or, you know, to get those degrees, I just knew I didn't have the commitment at school to do it. Yeah. You know, I just hated studying. I yeah. hated I had a I hate a lot about that school kind of way of it. It just doesn't suit me. It's yeah. not anything against it. It just wasn't my. I just don't like it. <laughs> but that's so, so refreshing, and I think important. Yeah, yeah, so important for people yeah. to hear that it it is like square peg round hole kind of thing. Where totally, a lot of people are suited to an academic system. It's also important to have schooling. Yeah, until people can get to the age where they can make that decision. But some people just aren't suited to an academic. Yeah, no. Like I loved it because you learn social skills, you know, and I think that's an important side but I just didn't know what I wanted to do I didn't really feel just like I wanted to go into something for the sake of it so yeah. I thought I'll take a year off you um, wouldn't which, have thrived in that scenario yeah anyway. no I wouldn't have and that just stretched into like two years off and the thing was I felt very ashamed about it for a very long time this is mm. probably something that I, I actually think is quite good to talk about because I spent years explaining why I didn't go to uni and, and you know, oh, I'm just having a few... I always I always made it sound like I was going to go yeah. um, so that people didn't judge me um, when really it's so fine if it doesn't suit you. Yeah. You know, it's so fine if you want to get your experience 
through working like that's completely fine if you want to go to uni also fine but if you don't you know I I think just don't feel bad about it totally because I really did I I would I just remember I would always and it was only until triangle had success that I actually started to go yeah I didn't didn't want to and you didn't need to yeah Mm. yeah yeah yeah, I love so, that. I love that because I do think that it, there's a lot of things, and even you know, it was so interesting when I when I turned thirty a couple of weeks ago. That even that has a lot of societal expectations on you. Should feel like this. You should feel like that. Yeah. I feel like yeah. going to uni is something that you do feel a little bit like if you don't do it, you have to explain why. But I think yeah. it's obviously industry experience. Yeah, speaks like it just nothing can prepare you better for where you ended up. Exactly. You didn't need exactly. it in the end. No, I mean I'm sad that I missed that uni lifestyle. Like I'm sad that I missed you know, just making uni friends yeah, and, um, yeah. you know, and I always, like people always say, those days are great. I was working full time. So yeah. I didn't have that like. <laughs> that four month holiday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have that. I didn't have that. You probably so, weren't as poor as we all were. Though, I had so. a lot more money, but then I just wasted it anyway. <laughs> so I didn't really, but, um, but yeah. Oh, so tell us about the start of Triangle. So that was 2012. Yeah. Yeah, so we had the idea. So Craig and I met in October. October? Yeah, because it was like a day after my birthday. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, thanks for missing my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) I read that it was when you were going on your second date. Yeah, so, yes. And you couldn't find bathers because you were going Mm -mm. to the beach. And her like, that's so nerve-wracking when you're going on a second date with a man who, you know... He's a footy player. Yeah, like a gorgeous man, like 10 years older than me. I was very, very... (gasps) Yeah, so he is almost 45. He looks very good for his age. Um, (laughs) He's one of those annoying people that just is always fit and doesn't do anything. It's just like, ah, and then eats giant bowls of pasta. Oh, yeah, Nick does that. I hate you. He's like, oh, we had Maccas all the time. How are you? I was like, oh, and you've got an eight pack. Thanks. It's like like it's muscle memory. I'm like, no, it's just genetic. Okay. (laughs) Our partners have just been on a seven day box in Hawaii and they both came back last night and we've been texting all week like, they're going to be broken men. Oh, my God. And they, they, well, actually, they weren't too bad. They weren't too bad. They, they did. They um, did Hawaii's not the worst place to have a box. They all came back with a nice tan, so you can't tell how. And with their eyebrows intact, underneath. thank God. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. Although Zach didn't wash. I shouldn't say this, but he didn't wash his hair for the whole week because he wanted to see how it went, oh. which was like a great. I I love doing that because it resets your hair. This is a weird conversation. Oh, I do. He's going to kill me. That it, yeah. <laughs> like, why? Why are you talking about my hair washing? That's like the only thing you said about me. You about my hair. Um, but it didn't lend to like you know the freshness when he got off the plane because he yes. was just like my hair was just like. But he looked. You look, he looked great, babe. Yeah. You look great apart from that. <laughs> just if letting you, you know. Just letting you know you look good. Um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, second yeah. date. So, yeah, second date, we went to the beach and I was very casual about it. It's like, sure, no worries. And inside going, oh my God, <laughs> I need to find the best bikini ever. Like, yeah. Ever. And I had to, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. So, my, you know, I had a budget. So I kind of ran around the next morning trying to find a bikini um, within a couple of hours and I just could not find anything. Mm. There was – basically there was Zimmerman, uh, you know, and even 10 years ago that was – Super expensive. Years ago, so however long. Um, they were crazy expensive. And then there were surf brands and there was nothing in between. There was nothing kind of cool. There was just nothing that I wanted to wear. 
Um, so I went down to the beach. I ended up getting a Zimmerman bikini. Um, <laughs> because, out. Yeah, I had to splash out Desperate because times. hello, hello. <laughs> Second date at the beach. You have to look cute. And then we just started talking. And we, you know, started talking about, uh, you know, I'm one of those people that I, you know, want to play it cool. Like I want to like go down there and be like, this old thing. Yeah. Oh, what? But as soon as I get, <laughs> get down so there old. and Craig says, oh, that's really, you know, cute bikini. You look cute. As, as they all have to say. Yeah. They're obliged to say nice things. And I just went, well, you know, <laughs> total like just killed my coolness yeah. and told him the whole story, which was great because that's really essentially the start of Triangle because we both discussed sort of organically how there is just a gap in the market for that. And it was a, just looked like this glaringly huge gap. Mm. I wasn't like actually a very big swimwear person. You know, there's like girls that are mad for bikinis. Oh, yeah. I've got one and I've had that same yeah. one. So like, and it's black and it goes with everything I was for like that girl. seven years. I was that girl. I literally had – that's why I went looking for one. I just didn't put the importance on it. I didn't see it as an extension of – you know, your, like your fashion. It was just like, well, I'm wearing this for a tiny amount of time to swim and then whatever. Um, so that was really good because I was essentially the customer we were trying to win. Mm. So I wasn't a swimwear girl. So I, you know, it was really great making this product and like sort of starting to think about her because what's going to really, convert her. Yeah. Too. Cause we were converting me. Yeah. Um, so that was really great. And then we just, you know, Craig absolutely was sort of the driver of it um, in the sense of he'd had a business before he was older. He knew what he wanted. I was 27 and falling in love with this older guy. So I was more just like, Whatever. Whatever you want to do. Whatever, <laughs> he yeah. had um, a t-shirt label. He did. It? He had Saint yeah. Lenny. Um, That's right. So if anybody is older than what, like. 35 <laughs> they would remember St. Lanny they yeah. were kind of the first t-shirt brand you know yeah. they were like the first cool like a part everyone was wearing sort of diesel or yeah, whatever yeah. before that and then they came on so they were really quite successful for a little while um but then he went bankrupt with that business which was amazing because that's where he learned everything to sort of you know take how China. to do it yeah, yeah yeah like even though bankruptcy is like a terrifying I remember when he told me he was bankrupt and he made me so nervous because he said, I have something to tell you. Um, and I thought, oh, my God, he has a wife. Yeah. Or he's, yeah, like sort of really like, like shocking deal, deal breaker. Yeah. Um, and he was like, oh, I'm bankrupt. And I was so relieved because to me that was just just didn't it's have recoverable. any. It's recoverable. It's not about yeah, his didn't have, I just had no reflection on who he was. Like we were having a you know, beautiful like flourishing romance and when he said that it was almost comical that he thought that it would be something that I would you know like we were having away (laughs) yeah we were still having you know everything was fine like it was exactly I think you know he obviously had hangouts because he'd come from such a high point and you know and but for me I was like no that's fine you know and it was great like it really helped triangle because he knew what he'd done wrong and he was able to take those learnings into triangle which was invaluable because otherwise you know, you can make a million wrong decisions that can really end or, you know, kill a business in the beginning. So it was amazing that he'd been through that. Um, bankruptcy is something that I think a lot of successful people go through. Absolutely. Um, it's actually when you start to read stories about, you know, billionaires and whatever, mm. so many of them have been bankrupt. And it's the making of them, mm. I think. It is. Yeah. It really is. So it's, yeah, anyway, so that was just one kind wow. of part of the story. And, and that's sort of, he really did drive the, the business in the beginning for sure, um, which I was really happy for 
him to because it was just something that I was so unsure about. It would have been um, so new as well. It was so new. Yeah. I mean, I'd never really thought of having my own thing. Like, you throw that around a little bit. I think, you know, it's always in the back of your mind, it, you know, should I be doing my – like, I have an idea or whatever. But I don't think – I don't think – it's hard to say now, but at 27, I wouldn't have done it on my own. Yeah. Absolutely not. So it was really lovely for, you know, Craig and I to, to kind of go on that journey together because it was he, – he needed someone, I think, to be a great support for him and, and, he, and he needed someone to sort of give him the confidence to do it again mm. and I needed someone to, you know – To, like, drive To be fearless to drive it. Yeah. So it was perfect. Yeah. I think that's such an interesting thing with business partners is it is usually the best partnerships are the – uniting and marriage between totally different skill sets totally yeah. different emotional needs yeah and you feel each other's gaps and that's you create like one whole super person yeah, between exactly, the two of you exactly <laughs> and I think also the thing that I'm comfortable with now about it too is that when triangle started to do really well um a lot of people came out and wanted to you know I guess champion me because I was a woman yeah um, as this like female entrepreneur mm. and and you know she's doing amazing things and I was always very reluctant and still am because to kind of promote myself in that way because it is if it wasn't for Craig and it wasn't for our matching skill sets I could never have done it on my own yeah. and I always found that quite a, an interesting thing to sort of explain to people and I always found that when people would come to me and say come and do a talk or we want to do a piece on you and it was often just about me yeah you know with Craig it was always they wanted to do things on Craig and I but they often wanted to do just pieces on me which I always just refused to do while we had the business because it just wasn't the right thing and I don't think it was very honest for women to to think that it was yeah I mean I'm sure and this is not a you know there's so many kick-ass entrepreneurial women that are doing it on their own but I wasn't one of them like I really needed and not not it's not even a female male thing it was just I needed someone that was more fearless than me to help drive the start of that probably a different story now I would I would have enough to do my own thing now enough like learnings and understandings yeah. but that's you know it's almost like 10 years later, later. so yeah to- and you've obviously grown as a business yeah, person, so. yeah 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 so you guys had to borrow to drop 25,000 on your first range is that we right? did so we uh, we moved to Hong Kong. We sold oh, was that everything. The first yeah, okay. yeah. So we, I'd never been there before, but Craig had and loved it. I and love Hong Kong. Yes. I lived there for a year. It's amazing. Oh God, it's such a great city. I, I, I miss it a lot. It's probably one of the places I miss the most. It's just got a great energy. Yeah. Um, so and also, time. it was where Triangle sort of happened. So I feel very. Aww. Yeah, it's yeah. like a baby. It's yeah, like it home. is. Like, <laughs> cute. Hong Kong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we sold everything and moved over there, and then. Like a couple of months in, we just ran out of money. You know, we were sampling. We were trying to live there. We were living with, you know, like bare minimum. Like really, we actually, there's there's a few articles out there that say we were eating canned soup and people think that's a PR spin. I kid you not. <laughs> I had the best canned soup options. I'd found them all. We had organic can like... You know, and we would plump them up with like, you know, veggies. Or, <laughs> yeah. But we really Fancy did. Tonight. We really did because for us it was – it wasn't like miserable. Like it was yum and it just – it was cheap. And yeah. we really needed to just spend as little money as possible during that time. So we really did live off um, – we were pretty like emaciated, I have to say, by <laughs> <laughs> after four months of doing that. If you wanted to lose a few pounds, I just know, start a business. <laughs> I know. Seriously. Between the stress of starting a business and eating canned soup, it was – yeah. It was good funny. times. Good, good, good times. <laughs> Humble beginnings. Oh, God. Yeah. But um, – and then we, we – yeah, we just ran out of money and we needed – you know, we didn't even have enough money to come back to Australia. Um, and we just knew that giving up wasn't an option. I think we both – 
both could feel from the beginning that this was something and yeah. this was something that we had to just push through with no matter what. I think the one thing that's, that Craig and I have, have ca- kind of carried through our entire relationship, obviously we're now separated, um, but we still have this, I still support him. Like I still, he's such a strong person um he's like a real kind of I guess alpha male very driven very fearless but he still you know he needs that constant support um or doesn't need it but it's just it just that was our dynamic it and it really thrive, really yeah. worked for us and even during that kind of time when it was rocky and and we didn't know if we were going to get any money to start the business sorry start like do the first production run it was just it was really important that neither of us you know kind of were, were rocky and saying this might not work this might not work mm. um so that was kind of a really lovely thing to be that support for him through that as well yeah. um and yeah so we 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 borrowed money um we called up all our friends and and family members and some said no which is totally fair enough I probably would have said no if people had called me asking for money <laughs> in that way um but a few of Craig's best friends said yes um, and we're so indebted to them because that really was the start for us. Um, most of the money was just for us to be able to keep living yeah. over there. And then about five grand of it was for the first run, first production run. Um, and then we put that out into the market and... Just went crazy. Yeah, I mean, you want to say the rest is history, but, and you know, it wasn't initially like bang. But to be totally honest, it was, we, from that very first point, it was pretty much growth. You know, it was slow growth for about a year or slow-ish growth, but we knew that this was turning into something bigger. And then it just grew so big, so fast, and it, it was just crazy. It was just almost comical of how you <laughs> it know. went from can soup to like, ah, oh. you went to what five million in one year, thirty-six the next yeah. year, and then like it's now over sixty million. Yeah, like, what the I know, <laughs> I know. Trust me, I still find it so crazy yeah you know there were like we were selling you know thousands of pairs a day in our peak that's and it's per a day just a lot per day uh, you know in in 2015 that was our biggest year it was sort of I think you know we were averaging 2,000 pairs a day it's just, oh, it's just that is so it's insane. just crazy and it's you've had really like crazy. Beyonce like Kendall Jenner yeah Cyrus. yeah we've had we've kind of had had them all it was sort of it was at that when we were really exploding and it was at its absolute peak it was it was just the like the good news was just coming so thick and fast like yeah. you'd wake up and you'd be selling this many and blah I'd be wearing it and blah and then it was just constant and it was almost it wasn't it wasn't that you didn't appreciate it, it but it was just that crazy that you kind of you kept thinking you'd reached your peak of like excitement and, and feeling it proud and yeah. we were calling our parents every day to tell them <laughs> literally every day because every day it was better so we'd be like guys we did this and this person wore it and blah and then the next day you You'd have to somehow elevate that. You thought you were at 100% excitement and you'd have to elevate it because you were doing better again. Yeah, and it was wow. just really, really crazy, um, exciting and so mind-blowing and and just life-changing. Yeah, it was just a really – it was surreal, you know. It was a very, very surreal time. I also had my first little baby in, in the that middle time. of that year. 
Yeah. And then we moved from Hong Kong to Monaco. So 2015 was an insanely full-on year. It's like a lifetime in one year, I feel. Yeah, that feels like. Yeah, it really was. Probably in in our parents' time, that's a lifetime worth of emotion and information. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was crazy. And I also, Oscar did not sleep. He was a – he didn't sleep – more Handy. than two hours a night for the first two years of his life. So sleep deprivation was at an all-time high. <laughs> so it was just – just I was just – yeah. It was. It must it be was a whirlwind. Just it really like. was. It really was. When I think back, to be honest, I'm like, did I – was it amazing? Was it exhausting? <laughs> did it happen? It's just like yeah. Yeah. really, really crazy to think back on. But um, – Wow. But yeah. Even hearing the story. I mean, I've heard the story before, but even just saying it again, I'm like, what is that? that yeah. Is- I tell the story and honestly feel detached from it. Yeah. It's weird. Like yeah. I don't, I, I tell it and I, I'm like, you know, all like smiley and happy, but I'm, I feel like I'm talking about someone else. Yeah. I think because I've shifted as a person so much since then as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think I lost myself a lot during that 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 time um you know you have a baby the business definitely outgrows your skill set it has to when you're selling that much and Mm. becoming that big you know you're a multi-million dollar business and it was still literally Craig and I and a small supply chain office in Hong Kong Mm. you know we didn't have a big marketing team we didn't have any real support around us because it just grew so quickly and you think you can manage it when you're managing it, you don't foresee a few months down the track when you can't manage it. And by that time, it's often too late. too late. Yeah. And so that was really, really full on. Um, and, you you know, I think we, and we, you know, we had all this money and, and, you know, it was just it was just so, so much going on. It's yeah. and not bad. And very or, fast, like almost too fast for your, a human brain. It really to it, keep that's up. that's how I feel about it. That's why I think I do feel detached because it was just. It's, it's just so much you know mm. like I my life now is way more normal like and, scaled back <laughs> yeah and that feels I can actually appreciate things there was just it was almost too much good happening to yeah. really be able to you know we, yeah. and we were just you could you could you know you could buy the cars buy houses buy all the clothes you wanted buy jewelry buy you know like travel the world and it was you didn't have to think about money and it is it doesn't corrupt you to it to it but it kind of it would have to change you it even does just change the, you even just at the beginning yeah, yeah it really did and I think that's when we took our sort of I guess we took our you know minds off the business a little bit um yeah. as you do yeah. and also I wasn't sleeping so I couldn't <laughs> oh even function that well and then everything just started to get a little bit harder and harder for us from yeah. that point but you know not and I you know I wouldn't change a thing because it is exactly how it's meant to be absolutely um, because it just is. <laughs> what, what would you say, what would you credit that exponential growth to? Was it timing being like really the first to market to close that gap plus social media plus like what what do you think was the key ingredient for that? I, I mean, think- you went from like literally tin soup yeah. to like BRW rich list in yeah. three years. Yeah. And, and like what? I know. <laughs> what do you think that was? I know. Yeah, what was it the key ingredient? Well, I mean, I... I there's a few things that kind of come to my come to my head. So Instagram, absolutely. Um, we were one of the first brands to really do well with it. That like not like there were big brands doing well, and there were other brands, but we were one of the first kind of I guess new brands to do well. And we were just it was just and it was when you're doing swimwear on a social media platform that really works because mm. swimwear is 
beautiful girls, beautiful, you know, beaches. Very aspirational. It is. And it has this, like, it reminds people of being on holiday and people have good feelings and good attachments to it. So it was a very, back when Instagram was so new and fresh and exciting and it was having its growth, we were kind of growing at the same time as Instagram. Mm. So they just worked hand in hand because you would just put up a picture of a girl wearing a bikini and she was smiling and pretty and <laughs> a beautiful blue sky and, and water and, and, and it just blew up. Just blew up. And it was just really just very, very good timing. We were totally lucky. I don't think that it was just luck. I th- I've had like a few people kind of say like you, you know, a few detractors would probably say that it was just luck. Um, I think luck obviously plays a part, but you know, we also like, we chose to go on Instagram and we chose to post the way we posted and we chose, you know, I think the other thing that was like big for us is that our intention was always good with triangle it was always pure it was always not about well for me especially not about having this hugely successful business that wasn't really my end goal it was just to you know get a customer and make her feel good and win her over and have have like that part of her day be a good experience you know like sure it's just a bikini and it's not you're not changing the world but it's nice to make people feel good yeah it's a nice feeling like when you walk down the street and you smile at someone they smile back it's the same thing with with what I kind of wanted to do it was I did all the customer service for the first year you know and and I loved that because I nurtured that relationship and I really enjoyed it it was so nice solving problems for people is just the loveliest thing you can do for someone yeah. and if it's, it's cool it's a bikini but it was just nice and that was our intention and you know my intention was that Craig's intention was to make those bikinis as great and beautiful and and as the quality as amazing as possible and that was it and so we didn't want to be this billion dollar company in in the beginning and we didn't we didn't need to have millions of dollars we just wanted to have the freedom to work for ourselves and we wanted to fill a need for a customer and make her feel good mm-hmm. about what she was wearing about the experience she had and you know that was it and i think intention is so important because that's what comes through like you know that energy that comes through to a customer when you really believe in it and I think that's why when we you know kind of stepped away from the business a little bit when we got successful that's when the energy kind of left a little bit as well and when you look at the timeline of it that is exactly what happened when when our energy started to to turn to other things that's when the brand started to suffer a little bit not suffer but just it wasn't growing as as amazingly yeah and it's like what other reason would there be then yeah yeah. for that so yeah but also I think the product is amazing in itself in that you know you guys were pretty much the first to use neoprene and yeah and to turn it into something really cool and not just like functional yeah yeah and it's still you know the neoprene was great it was a really it was so different. It was so different and it fitted really nicely. Like it was nice mm. to... And no nipple. Like, yeah. No, no nip slips. No. Or like, you know, you get out of the water and you're like... Baggy you know, bum. Yeah. Or like it's up there and it's out. You know, yeah. none of that. It's very shapely. Yeah, it How is. did you call it triangle? Where did that come from? Um, So we, even though we changed like along the way in terms of how we did it, but tri- we like triangle bikini shapes the most. Yeah. It's okay. very much Craig and I, like our thing. I, I like, I remember in the beginning we were like, there's no other shape I would ever wear <laughs> other than triangle. Now I never really wear a triangle, but that was our biggest thing. We just love that kind of seventies look, I think yeah. of like a string bikini and, 
Um, so we kind of just thought, well, let's do triangle, but you can't register triangle with an E. Oh, so we is dropped that how you e. dr- oh, Yeah, that was Craig's awesome. idea. He's very, he thinks very creatively like that. So that's so cool. That was how, and it was just a good, it was a good name because it was simple and easy and, yeah. you know, it kind of just stood out there. And Oh, such a cool story. Yeah. So yeah. from then to now, yeah. you tell us about that scale back process, what your role is day to day, how you have kind of evolved as a businesswoman and then obviously as a mother that probably changes your priorities oh god yeah and you're still between monaco and here i know and obviously you and craig are no longer no no longer together but still in the business together well no i i'm i'm i've exited yeah no one knows oh no no i think we'll know but like it's kind of like a um I've not made it like a big thing. Yeah. Um, so take I, us through that whole. Yeah. Okay. So, gosh. So from 2015 onwards, um, a lot changed. You know, I had uh, Oscar in 2015. We moved to Monaco. We kept the business definitely going, but we had Craig had a few other projects that he started on. We started to enjoy our life a little bit because we'd worked so hard for the years leading yeah. up to it. So we started to travel a bit. We were always working, but we were kind of enjoying life at the same time which what's it all for if you can't yeah exactly yeah Yeah. Yeah. and it was and it was lovely like it was a great couple of years then you know it was kind of just a few years of sort of just meandering along like like that and living in Monaco and traveling and you know we'd we'd let's move to New York or let's do that and it was always you know like we could do this we could do that and then um in 2017 um I had my second baby um and that's when Craig and I separated when I was nine months pregnant which is a very fun emotional time time. no it was fine though because you know Craig and I are better off as friends um we went through so much together and it just it just became um we just didn't we just didn't get along we just it it just sort of deteriorated Mm. um I had lost myself so much during that process of the of the it was really from 2015 onwards when I had Oscar because I wasn't sleeping I was trying to be a mother I was trying to run a business the business had really outgrown my skill set which I was very uncomfortable with at the time Mm -hmm. because you know like to admit when you're not good enough for something anymore was really hard um and and I am also not the kind of person I just didn't know how to get better at it I didn't know how to change kind of I guess who I was so I started to really lose myself um during that time and that really greatly affected my relationship with Craig um there's a lot of animosity between us in the end um like a lot of fighting Mm. Uh, and in the end we just decided that it was you know best for us not to be together And then after that, it was kind of, it's been a few years of healing, to be honest. Um, I had Ollie, so I had two boys um, and that was quite full on. (laughs) And I was still in the business. Um, And then probably about four or five months after I had Ollie, that's when I decided to exit Triangle. Um, It was just too hard to do it all. Um, I didn't feel, I felt like my energy had left the business and I didn't feel like I was in a position to want to work on it again. And I didn't feel like that was the right thing for the business either to be in it half-heartedly. Obviously Triangle is my baby and I have such gratitude for what it gave me and I would never change a thing, but it just felt like it was a chapter that needed to be closed for me. So, yeah, so I've kind of spent the last year really, to be honest, just trying to heal. I really did lose my way a lot um, 
during that, those few years. You know, when you, when you experience a lot of success and you hit those benchmarks that I guess society tells you were like, mm-hmm. I was, you know, a multimillionaire mother of, of, of two boys, you know, I had a loving partner, you know, I had every, I'd, I'd literally like ticked every box you could possibly tick yeah. um, by the age of, you know, 30 or 31. And I was miserable. I was miserable. It was yeah. the saddest time of my life, you know, when I had the most money, I was, yeah. I was just broken um, inside and just like a bit of a, a shell of a person, to be honest. Um, That's so interesting. Yeah. So interesting. And, 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 the, th- the thing is, I'm just so grateful for it now because if I hadn't been through that, then I wouldn't know that, you know, like money doesn't actually really matter that much yeah. or success is, you know, whatever you kind of want it to be. And it doesn't have to be those things because I literally had achieved everything you could ever want to in, in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of sat back going, okay, well, <laughs> what, what else is this? This sucks. Like, yeah. this is it. This sucks. Like, this is not oh, enjoyable. Um, so fascinating. That is exactly what I, I want this podcast to be about, is looking at what we and society de- define success as yeah. and looking at how we can be humans that have fulfillment and excitement and joy outside of those things. Because yeah. what happens when you do tick them all off? Yeah. You're like, there's got to be – there's something yeah. – there has to be something else. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you know. Yeah, and the thing is, I think if I'd – you know, if I was on my path and I was following my kind of like purpose for like lack of a, of a better word, I wouldn't have felt like that. But I was so off my path. Like I really, once I lost that kind of interaction with people and the customer and once the business became this this monster and this amazing business that was generating all this income and I lost that touch with the business, that's when I, I lost my way because I just had I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I used to say to Craig all the time, like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I want to do. I'm so mm. lost. I'm so confused mm. because I was so – like, I guess I was so ashamed of – of this people would have thought I had the dream life I was traveling the world I was doing everything with this you know family around me and this amazing life and I was miserable and I hated myself for that and I put myself through a lot of of despair because of the guilt that I felt and that I I really carried that around with me and just felt horrific about it and that made of course that made it worse you yeah know? of course you're beating yourself up yeah because you can't and the thing is you, there was wasn't really I couldn't tell my friends or family really I'm miserable because that made me look like such a dick because yeah. it was they'd be like oh you're miserable <laughs> yeah oh okay yeah. like yeah, cool totally. that's yeah okay like it was yeah. I couldn't really sort of I felt like I couldn't talk. I mean I, I'm sure I could have I just felt like I couldn't talk yeah. to anyone about it I just felt so bad for feeling that way when everything was meant to be perfect in my life um so what I've been doing kind of since I exited from triangle I've been trying to work out what it is that you know makes my heart sing I guess and I feel like I'm just starting to get there and in a really slow and gentle way and I'm being so kind to myself through this process because that's the only way I'm going to rebuild and kind of move forward and 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 find what it is that sort of like really you know ignites like my soul, you know, because that's what matters. And that's the thing that I've learned through this. You can have all the fast cars and all the beautiful clothes. And if anyone knows me, they know I have all the clothes, (laughs) but it won't make you happy. It won't, it won't fill you up in the morning. You know, it, it, you can still feel really sad when you have all those material things sort of, I guess, ticked off. So at the moment, that's what I'm, I'm really working on is just being the best me because then I'm going to be the best mother and 
best you know co-parent and best friend and everything yeah. to everyone so oh, that's amazing yeah and what a journey I, I really think that that's such an amazing story because you you do you've gone on this complete roller coaster of yeah like huge success and yeah. then a huge come down but you kind of come out and you're like broken oh god <laughs> and then you've got to heal again and find who you are like yeah the whole play ta which is the last section the whole play ta section is about people learning to find a them that's yeah. not attached to achievement. Yeah. And yeah. I, I really want to come back to sort of how you've been doing that. Yeah, but just yeah. quickly, yeah. the middle section is called NATA, which okay. we've kind of covered, which is pretty yes. much just all the things that have gotten in your in the way of your joy and in yes. the way of you, you know, like living your <laughs> yeah, best life yeah. along yeah. the way. And I imagine, you know, the culture shock of money mm-hmm. and your relationship with that has mm-hmm. been a really big one. It also seems like at all times along the way, societal expectations and pressure have played a big role in you know what people think that you should be feeling and then you beating yourself up about what you should be you know experiencing along the way and then motherhood and then self-doubt and then I know that body image has also played a role for you oh god yeah huge one so tell us about all of the NATA so many so many but they're good I'm so grateful for them because you know that they're the things that you the the sad times and the dark times is when you kind of you know you learn the most yeah like I have I, I definitely have always had uh, I've, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I'm like, where do I start with this? I sound like I'm so messed up. I'm no, like, I mean, we're all really messed up. We That's really the beauty. are. I feel we like all the best are. of us. We all are. We're in this together, guys. Special we're kind all of crazy. Completely crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I guess the thing that I probably, you know, I dealt with a lot before Triangle that's like a big one for me is that I did have an eating disorder. Um, and I think that that carried through with me into those Triangle years. To be honest, I was very lucky to have children because that really had to stop. As soon as I fell pregnant, I kind of had to stop a lot of my, I guess, bad behaviors. Yeah, like abuse to myself. Um, I still was super, super skinny. I actually lost weight through my pregnancy with Oscar. It was a real coping mechanism. Like, you know, as as anyone who has an eating disorder or who's had one or who knows a bit about it, it's a very, it's a control thing. It's, it's, and you become, it becomes your best friend. Um, when you're unwell and you will you will do anything to protect that lifestyle that lifestyle because that is your only comfort it's your only sort of so when I was pregnant with Oscar and it was um, quite hard because there was a lot going on during that time with the business and I was just stressed and I just kind of used that control with food to get through that but you know having children definitely you can't think about yourself as much anymore (laughs) so it actually just became really hard to hang on to any kind of disorder because you just don't have time to kind of yeah. invest in it anymore um <laughs> to nurture the yeah, kind of beast <laughs> yeah look and the thing is you know for me when I got like just you know I don't want to touch on it too lightly because I think it's such a big thing and and eating disorders and disordered eating is just a really huge thing for people and it's just you know needs to be spoken about more I guess um and destigmatize I think so that it's it's yeah if you're more aware and you're more educated about it it's you know harder to kind of fall into that trap without even realizing exactly and you're there and you're like oh god like, yeah exactly so for me it was a very interesting start to having my eating disorder I'd never had any issues with food I was 24 totally normal relationship with food in the sense of probably ate too much pasta and chocolate and bad things and would be like, oh, I look fat, but whatever. Like <laughs> yeah, it was just, just a, a normal thing, you know, women it wasn't, I never, it never defined who I was. I always just found clothes that fit well. I was never 
fat. I was just like a normal, you know, slightly curve, not even curvy. I just wasn't like a stick, yeah. you know. I had like a, like a little curve. Um, and then when my ex, uh, well, my fiancé at the time, so I was engaged um, when I was like 24, we separated um, and I was living with him and I literally – it was, it was a, I broke up with him. It was done. It was finished. So I was, I'd already grieved it really in the few years leading up to it. Cause I knew that he wasn't sort of the one for me. So it seemed like a kind of fine end to the relationship. And I remember thinking, I'm like, I'm like five kilos heavier than I want to be. Breakups are usually stressful because there's a lot going on. So I'm going to really make sure that I lose weight during this process. And it was a very lighthearted thought that popped into my head. It wasn't like, I'm going to get sick. (laughs) And I lost, I just, I, it was, you know, I just, I just stopped eating as much. I probably cut my eating in half. Wow. Yeah. And I saw results. Like I dropped five kilos in like two weeks. Yeah. And of course everyone starts to kind of, oh my gosh, Erin, amazing. A few people, a few people said, you don't look great. Like you look a little unwell. Are you okay? And this is the thing that I think really sticks with me. And I don't know enough about, you know, disordered eating and eating disorders to understand whether this is consistent across the board. Um, And I probably should learn some more about it, to be honest. Um, but when people say you don't look good and you look too skinny, that fuels you. Like that literally made me want to be, because you get attention and you get people, people to say, oh, you look too skinny. That literally was like someone giving me the biggest compliment ever. Oh, you're like, oh no. Yeah. Like no way to use it. And you're like, yes, I'm going to keep not eating. And then, so that kind of happened and that started to it was just like a couple of months of that and then literally one day I just decided that I would throw up what I ate and from that point onwards it was just that was my life it took me about a year to really for it to kind of take I guess take over my life in the sense of you know I think for that first year you do feel genuinely in control and you know you're not you don't you like you're kind of managing it no one knows you're not getting obsessive about it you know it was just sort of like whatever like a casual and then it starts to impact your life you know like you would you would you wouldn't go out if you you know didn't think there was like somewhere where you could go and you know be oh, sick nearby wow. or you wouldn't you, you you it really started like it really dictated everything that I did I would cancel plans if I'd eaten too much that day or I would you know like hide away or just like it just it just starts to it just starts to kind of take over mm-hmm. and you think you're in control that's the crazy thing yeah. because that feeling when you do purge is a very – it does feel really good because afterwards you're so exhausted that you actually almost go into this like meditative state. So it's the most unhealthy thing because you're literally doing so much damage to your body but you feel – Like it's a good better. Wow. Yeah, you feel empty and you feel like you don't have to deal with what's going on because you actually can't deal with that. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that really – really kept me kept fueling it for me and then maybe after about kind of four years of of, and I was I was never you know this is why sometimes I don't know if it was an eating disorder or disordered eating because there is a difference between the two eating disorders are actual mental illness whereas disordered eating is um like you're, you're conscious but mechanism. it's yeah so you know I don't know whether it, I ever slipped into having an actual eating disorder because I was never hospitalized 
Um, it never really – I mean, I didn't get my period for four years. Yeah. Um, near the end of it, my hair was, was falling out. I went completely <gasps> grey underneath, like completely. It's gone. That's back to normal now. But like my nails were starting oh, to yeah. – wow. you know, and my skin was just dry everywhere. And I remember like four, four, four years in probably, I started to worry and think – I don't think I can stop this, you know, and I was abusing laxatives at the time as well, the whole way through it. Um, And that started to really scare me because, you know, you can have kidney failure and like all those kinds of things. But I just, it got to the point where you think you're in control and you think you're doing it because it's a control thing. And then suddenly you're like, I'm not in control. This is controlling me. You know, like this is like, I can't stop. Um, So it took a really long time. And to be honest, it's something that I don't think will ever go away. I still think I live with it a lot. I still can, you know, not as much anymore, not as much since I've started this real healing process. Um, I don't feel that that anxiety about it. But up until sort of, you know, six months ago, I was still, you know, restricting what I ate and mm. panicking about those mental calculations about like don't eat this and don't eat that and just obsessing over it. Mm. Um, and I always would worry that it would be something I could slip into quite easily. Like it was if I was annoyed at myself, I would punish myself through like not eating or. Wow. But yeah, very self-aware about it though, which I think well, is probably a key to like. Yeah, healing. and I think that's the thing that got me through it a lot is that I always knew what was going on. I it never consumed. I don't, and I don't know how other women and and girls. You know, I think there's. I think the thing that maybe it is with with this kind of like disordered eating and eating disorders is everyone is very, very different. I think every girl, there'd be similar themes, but I do feel like there's different triggers and there's Mm. different, you know, it's kind of like any mental illness, I guess, or any control issues that you have they're kind of different for everyone. Mm. Um, for me, it was just, uh, the way it started was just, maybe maybe it was that I hadn't dealt with my relationship breakdown and I thought that I had. Yeah. And so that was an outlet for that. I'm still not too sure. Have you had any help with it? Or did you literally just pull yourself out of it? To be then... totally honest, it, Craig really, really helped because he empowered me. I remember at the, the time of telling him, he just said, you're fine. Like you've got this, like you'll be fine. And I remember being very comforted by that. And, and it gave me that reassurance that I will be fine. Like it's, okay. I'm, I'll figure I, it I'm out. Gonna, I am going to be fine. Yeah. And, it, and it took like six months after that to kind of, you know, stop being sick or that really helped me. So, you know, but I think it's so different for everyone mm. um, who does suffer from any kind of challenge like that, any kind of control issue or, or disordered eating or eating disorders or anything that's not even around food. It's um, everyone's, it's like total, totally individual to each person. So I almost feel even talking about it, like I wouldn't have any advice for anyone because I have no, even like I've said, I have no idea if what I went through is normal. Yeah. (laughs) Or whether whether that's just exclusive to me and whether I never really kind of suffered in that way of, of it actually overcoming kind of, mentally who I was but um but yeah so that was just like a huge chapter of my life and I think you know that probably blended into triangle and then blended into losing my identity and and now it's just this entire like everything is healing now from probably to be honest not just the triangle years but pre like prior the whole leader my whole life maybe yeah. you know like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah you know and you're so. incredibly um open and honest and seem like quite comfortable in 
I feel like it's you must have done a lot of healing to be able to talk about it in such a self-aware and emotionally neutral kind of way, yeah. which is really, really admirable because that's a really big step in itself because you, I think people hide these things for a really long time or they're ashamed of them. Yeah. And kind of getting it out in the open is the very first thing that helps you step totally, past it. Totally. Like shame is the absolute worst. Like for mm. me especially, just even with Triangle, knowing that the business had outgrown my skills and, you know, the eating issues, it's, it is all shame. Mm. And, and if you just tell people and, and say it in a way, you know, f- I mean, for me, it, it comes naturally to do that anyway. Like, I think I just have always been very open. I'm the kind of person that, you know, I'm just like, blah, <laughs> to, to anyone. Yeah. I'm the same. I'm like, well, overshare something. Yeah. Like I'll go into a <laughs> shop and they're like, hi, how are you, Shane? And I'm like, well, <laughs> like, I have a story for you. Like it's, I'm, I'm a big oversharer. So I think that helps me anyway. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I deal with things. Yeah. What about uh, things along the way, like having, an enormous wave of copycats then come out and like that pressure to just keep ahead of the market and be connected all the time and and burnout from just exhaustion and then I feel like comparison and, and doubt and self-worth and is our business good enough and all that stuff then kind of comes up. Oh yeah, yeah. That was, the copycat thing was hard. I think what we learned early on is that innovation is key mm-hmm. um, and to not be focused on copycats, obviously you know, there were so many and it was really damaging. <laughs> um, it was incredible. It was crazy. must have been very flattering. It's but also flattering like... but frustrating, especially when you can see it having an effect on sales or, yeah. or you know, you it was just – and it was just daily. So we – you know, innovation is definitely the biggest thing but then that adds pressure too because you're like, well, shit, what's next? I can't rest. I have yeah. To be like, you're yeah. like, oh, my God, what's the next thing? That was a huge pressure. I feel like the copycats and just – not even just the copycats but making sure you were making new product that was good, you know, and that was mainly Craig's responsibility but obviously we did all those things kind of together. That was just hard. It's just mm. like really stressful and mm. you start to question – yourself like why am I doing this like is this really like they're gonna like this and I don't know and you know those voices in your head of like should and then you and then you have these weird feeling moments and when you're in fashion especially I feel this a lot where you're like this is fashion like why am I getting so stressed in a goddamn bikini like this is insane green tea I'm like yeah no one gets their green tea for a day nothing happens yeah I'm not a heart surgeon yeah 